0: Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Buley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it.
1: All right, today is Wednesday, April 29th. Joining us on the show today is our co-co-host Russ Kentwell, Principal Hello. Architect of SHI. You'll, uh, you'll be blessed with his presence every now and then when he has time in his schedule. Thank you, Russ. <laughs> Welcome, buddy. And, and our special guest, of the show today is the Amanda Blevins. Amanda is a senior director and chief technologist in the office of the CTO at VMware. She focuses on cloud, edge, and emerging technologies, so all the hot stuff. Uh, As VMware's first and only female chief technologist, she leverages her experience and network to drive awareness and equality for women and all underrepresented people in technology fields. Most importantly, Amanda believes in doing the right thing. Amanda, it's great to have you
0: on with us.
2: thanks for having me
0: thanks a ton for being here all right what tech headlines are y'all looking at today who's gonna kick it off man did you bring anything you really want to talk about
1: i feel like i need a folding at home update
0: oh yeah yeah. where are we at
2: is uh is pretty hot right now so team vmware is uh just moved into position 50 overall as of, uh, of the latest updates so you know, for those that aren't familiar with Folding at Home, it's uh, a crowdsourced project, kind of like SETI back in the days where we were searching for alien life. Uh, seems like the, the Navy's already found that, so we can stop there. I <laughs> don't if you guys saw it, or not. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah we don't to SETI anymore, but we do need to, you know, solve diseases. So this is a way for all of us to donate our unused CPU and GPU resources to science and, um, you know, be able to help them with their... Analytics and modeling through distributed—you uh, know—you could think of it as you know distributed analytics or even distributed machine learning in a way. Uh, so the platform has been around for 20 years, and they focus on how a protein folds, and when a protein folds in a certain way, that gives them opportunities to create different treatments or or vaccines. So obviously, with all of us at home and being safe. You know, it's always good to do something good for the world so we can fold and help solve uh, coronavirus and other diseases like cancer and Alzheimer's and Huntington's and and Parkinson's. So great effort to be a part of, great to be part of a team. You're welcome to join Team VMware or, um, you know, another team that you're already uh, established with. So VMware has created an appliance for ease of use deployment. Uh, we do some really cool things internally where we have uh, you know automated deployment of fully at home appliances when infrastructure is unused and can bring up you know hundreds of instances in a matter of, of minutes so, so uh, cool. you know, we're sharing that technology with everyone so you can use your you know, home lab environments or or even if you have some test environments that aren't online you know, that's how we're approaching in that VMware.
0: It's been a ton of fun to watch uh, watch the VMware team just sort of explode on Twitter. I, the, the first couple of days, you kind of tweeted that out. I, I've always been aware of Folding at home, and I think it is it's fascinating stuff. It's really cool. It's great what the whole foundation has done, but watching uh, VMware go from just a like an idea to full blown let's let's use your you know orphan compute in the data center at scale and firing up the ranks at the, uh, you know, the amount of compute, the the number of work streams that have been done. It's just cool. Really cool. I mean, that was rapid adoption. So it's,
2: it's really fun, you know, to have just some folks that you can go to and chat with and people are posting their builds internally and sharing eBay links and taking photos of their new stuff and they're, you know, turning their mining rigs into folding rigs and building new ones and, I think in our world, because we're always talking about automation and containers and cloud this and and that, we forget the importance of hardware and designing um, the right system to meet the needs that you have and really looking into things like throughput and memory speeds and CPU speeds and what the effects are. So it also brought us back to our roots and as technologists, there's always so much to focus on, but we're like, hey, we forgot how much fun this is and also how frustrating it is, right? Hey, I just ordered all these pieces and they don't yeah. work together. Now I have oh, to, yeah. I have this updated. stuff has
3: to run somewhere. <laughs>
1: yeah. Now, someone was <laughs> telling me the other day, the combined <laughs> compute power of all of these disparate systems is more than if you take the top 10 supercomputers or something. 500, top 500. Is that right? That That's exactly. man is on this
3: call. yeah yeah, i told you
2: that like uh, three weeks ago top 10 but now we moved in you know over the top 100 combined and now we're moving past that so it's the first time the exoflop barrier has been broken and we've blown way past that with uh all the teams so it's it's yeah gosh
0: that was weeks ago uh, it was over three right 3.4 something like that i mean it just like rocket ship absolutely exponential growth off the charts so cool
3: yeah yeah, it's, yeah it's there so, was so, a, a guy on a call yesterday, an SE, who we could hear something in the background, just, <laughs> just buzzing something. And, and he goes, hey, hold on one second, real quick. And we're inside his door. And I was like, man, what, what was that? And he goes, that was actually my server rack running, folding at home. And it is That's screaming because awesome. it's yeah. completely pegged running, folding at home. Yeah, yeah, I think
1: Amanda was posting photos about I guess it was your home office or something. It was cold, but it, your your home office was like 85 degrees and the windows sweating. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: like a blizzard and there is like all this snow like Oh man. Out. And I'm like, that's going to melt in a little bit. And sure enough, like five minutes later, the snow just slid right down and melted off. (laughs) Uh,
0: Are there any good stats on, you mentioned like repurposing old, you know, Bitcoin mining gear, stuff like that. And I know there was a huge shift when ASICs became popular to get off of all of the, you know, graphics card processing units that for a little while were, you know, the bee's knees. Um, mm-hmm. do, you, do you know if there are stats that show how much maybe those orphaned assets are actually contributing to Folding at Home? I know that's a deep dig into data, but yeah. I, I would think that'd be neat.
2: Yeah, yeah. So on the Folding at Home, they have like stats.foldingathome.org. Um, they show like how many GPUs are contributing, how many CPUs are contributing, what the manufacturers are for that, um, you know, what operating systems are involved. So they, um, for GPUs, they use CUDA, and unfortunately, NVIDIA no longer supports CUDA for AMD on Mac. So if you have a Mac and you want to contribute, it'll be CPU only, which is fine. Um, but if you're like, hey, I really want my GPU to get in the mix, you can uh, boot camp it. And so I have a couple old bootcamp Macs that are folding as well. So you can see all those stats, and uh, they, they have a Twitter account, and they keep posting you know, the updates of How many people are, you know, how many donors, how many devices, what the layout is. So that really goes into it. But also to your point, um, we've been doing, trying to do some math internally around a kind of a cost per working unit completed um, or point per, you know, per cost of GPU and then also power being pulled. And it's a little hard to normalize because everybody has such different environments and because working units are a bit of a black box and variable but um you know if you want to get involved and you, you don't have a gpu yet the um nvidia 2060s or the 2060 supers are fairly um uh, cost effective and they can still put out like a million points per day so wow. just a thought if you're looking for a project there's a lot of good gear to, to order that's fairly inexpensive and you can still contribute a lot
1: awesome yeah that's a great suggestion for sure call out yep. there. This is well, not there you go listeners podcast. get
0: out there get it get a processor start contributing so let's yeah. solve some real problems. <laughs> well, hey, I got a good one that dovetails off that. And this one's all for Mr. Russ, which is great. Um, so I read that bring the it. Xbox, uh, you know, chief staff or uh, chief operating officer, right? Phil Spencer. Uh, he was saying yep. that the next gen gaming systems are, uh, likely to bring to the table. Um, you know, something similar to the 2d to 3d shift. And I know that's close to home for you, but back to the, uh, you know, teraflops, exaflops, uh, the, the, Next-gen Xbox and PS4s, or whatever, no PS5, right? That'd be the next one. Um, they're they're both right. over, or at least in the range of 10 teraflops apiece out of the gate, which is uh, pretty cool. They're saying it brings them up to the level of like high-end uh, PCs, and I know you're a heavy PC gamer. Um, obviously, the the <laughs> thing there is that generationally, your 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 appliances, right, aren't aren't going to be able to keep up because you're not going to be throwing in new hardware all the time. But what do you think? Do you think he's right? And do you think uh, do you think they're actually going to achieve high end compute comparisons? The, all of the
3: the floppy talk is is all sorts of fun, and don't get me wrong, they're like hero numbers we see in benchmarks on storage arrays and stuff like that at 100% 4K reads. But the reality is, is that I don't think we're about to see a 2D to 3D type of shift in graphical fidelity. I just think we've reached a point where we're well beyond diminishing returns. Uh, you know, we actually see developers going the other direction. Heck, just uh, Riot released a game called Valorant to compete against the other esports titles like Counter-Strike, which obviously I play a lot of. That game actually is meant to run on everything. I can mm-hmm. I can deploy it on my little my little awesome. underpowered PC that I have over here, Tyler. I can <laughs> I can, <laughs> we'll I can run you up. know <laughs> decently so when you- uh, on on that little machine.
1: <laughs> and when you think and run on everything so is the thought there then that, that uh the social aspect of the game takes precedence over the advancement in in interface um
3: well i think more so it's it's about the the geographic uh, disparity between like where these games are ran cuz you know all over the world these games especially in esports esports is a global thing and so we see that you know people running these in internet cafes in China, they need lower spec games that can run on these cheaper PCs. Um, and so they just need accessibility for people. So we're, we're just seeing a point where graphics have reached good enough for a lot of people. So you see super high end stuff like Red uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 that released, but then you see much lower end stuff that's also very, very uh, powerful, so I, that's why I say I don't know. I mean, I feel like our next 2D to 3D shift is really going to be in the world that Aaron likes to live in right now, which is yeah. the virtual reality realm, yeah. augmented reality. You know, I think we're going to see that's a bigger jump to me. Whereas I think we are we're going to see you know faster frame rates, you know higher resolutions. You know, more HDR, all of that stuff's coming, and I think the you know the new systems are going to be great. I'm going to own both of them. My PC is going to be more <laughs> powerful than both of them combined, so let's not get that confused. But That's great. Uh, That's yeah, great. I don't I don't think we're going to see that big of a shift. I think it's going to. I figured of fun, it was though, a bias. Newer yeah.
1: <laughs> no. Amanda, are y'all doing anything with VR or AR or you know mixed reality or whatever in in the office of the CTO and what you're looking at right now?
2: Yeah, I don't know if everybody remembers from VMworld a few years ago where uh, Alan Rene was on stage with Pat and they were doing vMotion in VR. And they were picking up the VMs and tossing them to the new hosts. And so uh, Alan has taken that, um, you know, that interest and that technology and he does something called Labs, which in the office of the CTO at VMware, if you have an idea, a good tech idea, and there's a business opportunity, you can submit it to our Labs program. Where instead of doing your day job, you can then move over to X Labs and, and work on this new technology. So, um, Alan's part of a team there, and they're, uh, they've built an AR platform. Um, and this AR platform is, is focused on uh, you know, being that place where enterprises can then leverage to build their AR and VR apps. So, at uh, VMworld last year, they had um, a demo available in the Solutions Exchange where uh, the demo was how to assemble a server. So if you're in a manufacturing situation and yeah. you need to know like how am I gonna do something, in AR you're overlaying reality with this augmentation of you know, digital information. So it's look over here, pick up this power supply, slide it in here, so you can imagine the power of something like that for folks being trained, new jobs, or even you know, really complicated things that might require stopping your focus and going back and looking at a manual and coming back here. Instead, it's all right in front of you. So well,
0: that stuff's in huge that. in manufacturing, especially too. And I know, Billy, you and I talked about this a little bit, but my old alma mater, Lockheed Martin, right? When I was there, gosh, going on you know, half a decade or more ago, we, we focused a lot on work instruction at, you know, point of work, right? And at the time, you know, VR, AR wasn't anywhere near that, but we we talked about like, where that kind of technology goes because the idea of pl- printing out blueprints and actually having mechanics, you know, having to go reference the documentation, finding errors in documentation, which is normal, in you know, digital thread manufacturing processes, but that doing highly specialized, highly accurate tasks at point of work like absolute game changer when it comes to AR, VR, it's safer. It's easier to identify problems. It's obviously right there, which makes productivity, you know, easier to, to track as well as improve. Right. Um, I, I, that stuff is just fascinating to me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And I think, you know, a lot of folks are, are concerned about machine learning and AI and, and, you know, the machines are going to rise and the matrix occurs. Right. But it, it's really, you <laughs> how, technology to augment ourselves as humans and, you know, uh, kind of take away the repetitive tasks that that some yeah. sort of algorithm is better at and be able to provide us the information and data we need to make better decisions because I think it'd be very, very difficult to be able to model our own brain and the capabilities that we have anytime soon.
0: Agreed. No, that's, that's a good point too. It, it might be, you know, the North Star, but it's not going to yeah. happen overnight <laughs> or <Right>. or anytime <laughs> soon at all, really.
2: Right,
0: right. <laughs> well, speaking of science, um, I have an, an interesting
3: an interesting one here. It's funny you throw one at me, Tyler, and I feel like I'm maybe going to throw one back at you. Uh, really, I don't have much of an opinion on this one. I just think it's awesome because there's a cool mentality, and it's about this team of NASA engineers that developed a ventilator for COVID-19 patients in a month, and their mentality around developing this, you know this little piece of technology was but they're basically just used to looking at new problems and figuring them out often yeah it it wasn't about them being medical experts or anything they're just like listen people ask us how to go to some planet and inject this device that doesn't exist into some ice we don't understand so you want us to make a mask for a human yeah (laughs) and and we think we can figure that out so i just thought that that mentality was was awesome
0: that is that's great too. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say That's it's a strong unique. point. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's unique to NASA by any means, but just the idea of solving a problem you yourself are never going to be close enough to really understand, right? Like most of the scientists working in NASA, engineers as well, aren't going to be sent into space to figure out how to do this stuff. Uh, they they just have to take all of the inputs we know. Hopefully, hopefully all of those assumptions are correct. Document them thoroughly, and then provide an output based on all of those assumptions and look at the things that we've done like that is cool that's a really cool just use of fundamental engineering processes to get something really cool done and, yeah. and here that's i am complaining things.
3: about not having been enough inputs for an rfp <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's one of the things we focus on with our daughters uh, right now they're uh, like my oldest she'll be 11 this summer uh, but just in education just teaching them but uh, teaching them how to learn right yeah um so in, in my mind you know sure you can memorize these different things and whatnot but um, you know, teaching them the value of curiosity um, and the value of, of challenging, uh, you know, different uh, different ways of thought and how to how to actually learn, right? So, yeah, that was that was huge change, change, for change. me
0: in in college too. You know, I think my favorite courses in the physics program that that I went through were actually the ones that were just about uh, problem solving, scientific methodology, but but applied to like real life, quote unquote, as opposed to an engineering process or something where you just have inputs and you're expecting outputs, you're doing math, right? Um, It was, it was just, how do you look at something or how do you take information and throw away the garbage and keep what's good and keep reminding yourself that you naturally have biases and those biases can be devastating to getting where you're trying to go, that kind of stuff, that just right there, I want my kids to learn that passion for, you know, thinking.
1: All right. I'm curious what y'all think about uh, Google was in a couple of different headlines today. Uh, one for their earnings announcement yesterday, uh, showing significant reduction in ad revenue starting in March. And, uh, you know, I've been seeing a bunch of rumblings from that. I'm uh, kind of big in the, in following the YouTube scene, not big in the YouTube scene, but following it. Right. And watching, uh, you know, their about ad revenue going down and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. One day we it's can all have a goals. <laughs> and I've seen some people on Twitter talk about how Google is uh, essentially an ad company, right? They also released uh, Meet, and I'm curious what y'all think. I don't know if any of y'all have ever used it, uh, but they are—they announced today. They didn't just release Meet, but they announced today that it's now free for everyone with a Google account. For meetings of up to 100 people. There's no time limit until September of this year, and then it sounds like they're going to limit it to 60-minute meetings. Do you think uh, do you think Google Meet has a has a shot against Zoom or? What do y'all think on
3: that? I think the bigger, biggest thing we're seeing here is how many people are trying to jump into this race and competing against each other and how rapidly things are developing. I mean, Zoom going and immediately impacting and improving security measures after, you know, stuff came out. And we're seeing Google increase the amount of people you can do on a duo call to, to 12 overnight and going to make it to 16 here sometimes. soon. so we're, we're seeing a lot of this stuff just rapidly develop. So Honestly, my issue with Google, speaking as a Google fan, I live in the the, the Google ecosystem. Uh, my struggle with them is always what what are they going to stay aligned with? What are they you know are they going to drop this product in the future? And you never really know if they're going to do something like that. So I think that's their struggle. So they may have a great product. I think people may be hesitant to adopt a Google product if they don't feel they're going to to use it. And and I don't know if free helps or not because I've seen people not want to use a messaging platform on a phone from Google, even though it's free, because they're like, Well, what if I invest all of my time and all my messages in this and then out of nowhere it's you know it's the next Allo, which if you don't know what that
0: platform is Reader.
1: That was a Google reader. platform. Yeah. yeah I'm still, still bitter about Reader.
0: I'll always be bitter about that. Shoot, just trying to get tech headlines aggregated. Not that there aren't other options, but I misread her every time I go and look at this stuff. No joke. This (laughs) podcast has made me misread her again.
3: (laughs) Speaking of the Google thing real quick, did you guys, have you guys talked about it all? Like the, I mean, phones are expensive now, man. I mean, these phones are thousand bucks a pop. I think Samsung went crazy and released one for 1600 bucks because why not have a $1,600 cell phone? but now we're seeing iPhone release a $400 phone. Pixel has the second iteration of their A line of phones at around $400. I think Samsung has one now too. Are you guys, when you buy your next phone, is it going to be a thousand dollar phone? Are you going to look to some of these, you know, $400 options that we got out there with the iPhone SE and the pixel 4a? Cause even though I have a pixel three, which I paid a grand for, I'm sitting here looking at this 4a, like "Hmm, $400 for a phone. That's, maybe good enough is kind of interesting. I kind of like the idea of it. Maybe I would get phones more often. I don't know if that's a good thing. Just seeing this proliferation of mid-range phones that have good enough stuff, because just like in the data center, all of the intelligence is moving to software. So they're putting more simplistic approaches to, to their hardware in there and then layering the exact same software on top. I was curious to people's thoughts or if you've seen that or uh, talked about it with anyone.
2: So I'm a, I'm a big fan of not buying new phones anymore unless I absolutely have to. And I had this SE, iPhone SE that I held on to dear life for like three years because actually I carry two phones because I'm paranoid and I like to be able to separate my life and my work and be able to put one phone up on the charger and not check it all weekend. But when I got the new phone, the reason I didn't go with the smaller one is battery life. So if they could ex- if they could provide the battery life that they do in like a you know, the flagship iPhone in the cheaper model, I would buy that all day long because I Same. don't game on my phone. Like what do I do? I check Slack, email, browse something, and you know, whatever else I can get to through through Workspace One and that's it, right? So for me, it doesn't make sense to have a high end phone anymore.
0: More memory for phone because tabs Google takes this. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, well, Google takes the exact opposite approach back to their, their madness of how they support their products. The, four, the 3A line, and I'm assuming the 4A line that was right around the corner, actually dwarfs their flagship and battery life. I mean, really? hundred, like, double, double in length. So it's just, uh, it's interesting that you say that because a lot of people are, they're getting a 3.5 millimeter headphone jack, which none of these phones have anymore.
2: Right. They tend
3: to get better battery life. And their screen's not as good and their camera's not as good, but they're still dramatically better than a camera of three years ago.
2: Yeah. So well, that's, the thing. that's I
3: mean, what, what we're seeing.
2: I mean, I have a DSLR. It's not like I pull it out and take photos with it anymore unless I really plan for it. <laughs> you yeah. can't it carry nice.
3: that around with you everywhere you go.
0: <laughs> Super portable.
2: I do need that nice camera in my pocket. So it's, for me, it's battery life and it's camera quality. The other stuff I don't care about. You
0: know. Yeah. The, the camera quality one gets me though because – I'm with you like that, that is actually, it's important enough. Like I want to catch, especially with young kids. I want to catch moments. I want them to be clean and clear, crisp. I want, I want it to be close enough that I didn't need to set up a session to go get the DSLR. Right. But am I going to buy a $1,600 phone once annually for an upgraded camera? Absolutely not. So Russ, to your point, good enough. Like bring it $400 phone that, that gets those three things. I need it for four things and has good battery life. Like I'm all over that.
3: Yeah. But what, about what you those said, guys really who make videos wrong. in their cars for YouTube and <laughs> stuff like that. Like we we need some good stuff for that. Well it's kinda
1: I feel like we're at what you were saying earlier with the video games is we're beyond like the diminishing rate of returns, right? I mean, how much better can the can the camera get for that much more money, right? Yeah. Um, yep. In in other news, we we have uh, we have just a few minutes left. I want to make sure we t- touch on a, a couple other things real quick. But um, Tyler, I saw you post in here the Spotify earnings. Uh, they're cool. saying every day now looks like the weekend. Uh, podcasts are on the rise. I'm watching people I subscribe to on YouTube suddenly just have massive ramps uh, up in subscriber count. Uh, Russ, I saw you doubled your Twitch follower count to eight. Uh, it's clearly a good time yeah, to man. put yourself out there to publish. <laughs> um <laughs> and you know this is everyone's new favorite podcast as well so uh if any of y'all are thinking about doing that, stuff, if you way. haven't if, if you haven't published if you haven't put yourself out there um now wow. is a fantastic time to get discovered uh one of the other headlines that goes with that is u.s consumer electronic spending is up um tvs are up the highest volume they've ever seen outside of holidays uh dvd play people are buying dvd
0: players That surprised me too, man. When I read through that. Oh, look at that. We got one. Oh, Amanda. (laughs) Amanda, you
2: bought (laughs) one? Oh, Oh, look at that. We're
0: out of time.
2: (laughs) Let me tell you. So I live in a rural area. In fact, my internet out because I have a dude up on my roof trying to install my second provider, which is point-to-point Wi-Fi. If he he gets this installed, my download speed will be five megs at best. And my current provider is...
0: It like
2: drops 10% of my packets. So luckily I'm a VeloCloud and I haven't dropped this call. So this is good, but Ugh. I cannot find, so a Pioneer Elite is the only company that has a high end DVD, um, Blu-ray 4k player that supports DVD audio and super audio CD. And they stopped making the end of last year and they were going to make more, but now because of this, they aren't. So I had to buy oh, a no. Sony. But, yeah, that's crazy. All
1: right, well, Amanda's buying all the DVD
0: players. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that explains it. That explains it. But that's funny, too, because I found another head. Oh, yeah. So you'll probably appreciate this, point-to-point internet. One of the other topics that I found, again, physics slant, because I love that stuff. Uh, I'm sure this is like 10 years out now, so, you know, don't get your hopes up overnight. But uh, scientists actually figured out how to uh, eliminate water vapor with a concentrated beam uh, for point-to-point connectivity. And uh, it's basically, it's fog clearing point to point, you know, bandwidth. And so they're, they're just doing pulsing that actually gets it. It excites the water molecules, knocks it out of the beam. They're talking about being able to achieve, you know, fiber, like underground fiber bandwidths with point to point lasers over longer distances using the tech. So uh, I expect to see some really good stuff happen there in the next decade, probably. Yeah.
3: Awesome. Yeah.
2: That'll be cool because uh, you're right, right God, the,
3: the fog clearing beams were what I've been thinking about for a long time. <laughs> I just, Is that those I blue and really green really lasers? Thought when that
0: was going to happen?
3: So those blue and green
1: lasers that pop the the air, the, the balloons.
3: Yeah, probably
0: uh, similar tech. No, that's funny.
1: But yeah, microphones are up almost 150. Yeah. percent Monitors, PCs, printers, all up significantly. So it was a boom, right? So publish your stuff, get it out there. Uh, everyone's stuck at home on the internet. Um, promote yourself. And speaking of promoting yourself, we're out of time. Amanda, would you like to plug anything outside of Folding at Home? How can people no, I, find you or what are you doing?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, one, I want to plug your VMworld submissions. May 1st is the last day, so that's Friday. Uh, so all of us procrastinators, me included, we got to get our... Okay. our submissions Then, and then other than that, just, uh, you know, any CPU or GPU cycles you can spare, you know, be part of the force for good with Folding at Home. So thanks, Brad. love
0: it. How about you, Russ?
3: Follow me on Twitter, r well easy the three. But more importantly, follow me on Twitch.
0: There, it is. That. there Be it the is. ninth. <laughs> that, that brings today's text breakfast to a close, guys. Uh, Amanda, Russ, thank you so much for joining us. Um, love to have you back on at some point going forward as, as we get this rolling more and more. We really enjoyed doing this session with you guys. We hope all the listeners enjoyed it. Uh, everything that we got into, and as always, if you've got content that we missed or just general feedback, hit us up on Twitter, um, and and please come join us for you know uh, steak and eggs and tech. Cheers.
2: I didn't get my steak. I didn't know. I know right.
0: <laughs> Part of the deal. Right. Well, we Play forgot to an update. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bye, y'all. Bye, All
3: right. Later, everyone.
2: This is Jay Cuthrell. I listen to the Tech Breakfast. You should too. It's much more informative and much more nutritious than your typical bowl of cereal.